Welcome to another episode of the It's a Mimic podcast, where I, Megan, sit down with a couple of other amazing ladies to dig up the dirt on the Undead in Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition. For this episode, I have resurrected Casey and Mieka so we can sink our teeth into this episode called The Drowned, A Dirge to Purge the Surge of the Submerged Scourge. <laughs> it's the bourbon, it helps. <laughs> This episode on the It's a Mimic channel is going to sink into the oppressive darkness beneath the waves and explore the unforgiving brine that has claimed so many good men and women. What, did you think all undead were wisps and stenches and dry rot? No, we're getting shoulder to shoulder with the ghost of salt marsh so we can see what undead horrors await among the flotsam and jetsam. <laughs> That's a... Little Mermaid reference for anyone who didn't get that one. Yeah. (laughs) But before we dive into these, I want to ask, if we set aside the low intelligence of skeletons and zombies for a second, do your undead swim when you DM? Depends on their level. (laughs) And if they have the appendages to do so, you know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. I feel like swimming requires ligaments or limbs to be used for, like, you know, propelling, right? Right. So if you have an undead or like a zombie or something that doesn't have arms or like feet, then it would just kind of like flop around in the water. You know what I mean? Like stepping aside, like the mechanics of the game where most undead walk on the bottom of the ocean, like they would in fucking whatever that movie is called at this point. (laughs) Pirates of the Caribbean. That's what I'm getting at. Mm -hmm. Um, Like I I just, you, you need something to, to propel yourself forward scientifically in my mind. So, you know. But should my zombie be full humanoid animaloid with some kind of propelling capability, 100% they can swim. Yeah, that adds a level of horror, I think. Yeah, absolutely. You're like sitting, it's like getting fucking a shark coming at you, but it's just another bodied (laughs) rot humanoid. You know what I mean? Like, you hear the fucking shark music in the background. (laughs) See, if I'm playing with like, you know, if like the, my players are, 18 level 18 19 20 yeah they're they're swimming (laughs) like they're gonna we're gonna figure out how to get them to at least move through the water quickly like you know yeah all the abilities no Mm -hmm. escape (laughs) do you think that they would be like because as zombies is like when they're walking on ground in my mind if you think like movie wise they walk slower technically mechanically in fifth edition D, they walk at a regular 30 foot pace so they can pace with you yeah. but the way we imagine zombies is they walk really slowly right mm-hmm. do you mm-hmm. think that they would swim slowly <laughs> or is it because of the the lack of muscles and gravity that is causing them to be slow when they walk and when they swim they would actually be faster faster yeah yeah, yeah. like i agree good point megan it's true bringing science into this you know what dnd needs a little science sometimes and like again i mean i'm always here to piss off the internet so change my mind (laughs) there you go well all right shall we dive in yeah let's go let's do it see what i did there (laughs) hey oh Yes, it's going to be a long night. Phenomenal. I love this for us. (laughs) All right. Well, we are going to start off talking about Tamarot's fate. This is from the book Ghosts of Salt Marsh, as we're going to talk about, I think, throughout this episode. Um, And this adventure is specifically created for 
four to six players at ninth level characters. And so this is essentially a undead pirate adventure, which is very fun. I love it. The story begins with a pirate sorcerer named um, Seargol, and his ship is called Tamarot. Tamarot? How do we want to pronounce that today, ladies? Tamarot. Tamarot? Let's just do it. Let's just do Tam Tam. (laughs) (laughs) And this is found in the Ghosts of Salt Marsh book, and it is created for four to six players at ninth level. Uh, This is an undead pirate adventure, which I love, and I'm very excited to talk about all this stuff. Uh, So the story begins with a pirate sorcerer named Seargol, and his ship is called Tamara. He and his crew would haunt the seas by killing anyone on any ship they encountered, doing so much evil that he allied with the demon lord of the undead named Orcus. Orcus was very entertained and would often lend a helping hand to Sergal in his bloodthirsty thirsty path of destruction on the sea. Things like adding wind to his sails or preventing ships from escaping their pursuit. Sergal would, would happily provide sacrifices to Orcus for his um, support. The Tamarot would meet its untimely end, however, when they approached Firewatch Island, intending to attack and plunder a small hermitage residing there, but having a recognizable reputation, a priest who saw the ship approaching prayed to the sea god Procan to save them from the pirates. Whether you believe the god answered or not, Seargol found himself suddenly capsized in fierce waves. As he was sinking, he called out for Orcus in a desperate plea for help, and help he did. He gave Sirgal and his crew the gift of immortality, and with that, they became his undead, drowned ones under his control. The first order of business was to walk across the seabed to the Firewatch Island and kill everyone in the garrison, but leaving no trace of their presence there. After which, they began using island resources to try and open the pit of hatred under the ship Tamarot on the sea floor. The island was deemed cursed. And many years passed before anyone dared to reside there again. But eventually some did, rebuilding the garrison and making a peaceful community to call home. When the time came that the pit was ready, Seargol's crew emerged again from the sea to attack the island and take back any and all corpses for the pit as sacrifices. Orcus wanted to build the drowned ones into an undead army. Talk of the well-being of the Firewatch Island residents began on the coastal village of Ascarn. It is here that adventurers can meet Vortinim, a village druid, where he will ask them to go investigate the island. The adventure begins with arriving to Firewatch Island and seeing the aftermath of the battle, but discovering some hidden survivors. They learn what happened and that the drowned ones will be returning. And once the island is empty, we'll move on to other coastal towns. So the players must defend themselves and the remaining villagers from a second attack from the undead, find out where they're coming from, and then hatch a plan to destroy Seargol and close the pit of hatred. Very exciting, complex, and higher level where there's pretty major um, monsters to to fight on top of all of the undead. And that's what we're going to dive into. I love it. 
Um, so how do we feel about the adventure overall? Do you want to roll dice? We're rolling dice. Yes. Roll dice. Yes. Roll a dice, guys. <laughs> Let's roll. 16. 11. I got 10. Amazing. <laughs> Casey, so how do you feel? How do you feel about the adventure overall? You're clearly the most well-read. Yeah. Um, I think it's clever. I think it could be a segue into a bigger pirate adventure. Potentially your players maybe taking on some pirating um, like tasks, uh, maybe trying to recreate or revamp Circle's uh, legacy if they're maybe a little bit evil. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that's pretty cool. Um, and I think you'll get a taste for a lot of like undead creatures and get a feel for that as well as being able to kind of plop this into a lot of scenarios as a one shot or just dive it in, um, like as a side quest. Yeah. I was going to say it does have big side quest energy for me. Um, Mm -hmm. definitely you could do a whole campaign here if you felt like it, but I do love a good cursed haunted Island, you know? Yeah. Like, I just feel like that, like, breeze and screams good Halloween episode for a campaign that doesn't necessarily touch the undead on a regular basis. But also, when you look into the history of it, it's like, okay, did you want to have curses? Did you want to have undead? Yeah, you should build a community on this island. That's a great idea. (laughs) Phenomenal, you know? It's like, what did you think was going to happen? Like, (laughs) holy fuck, guys. But, like, I guess, like, if enough time has passed, those kinds of histories and those kinds of, like, knowledges of what's happened here kind of, like, dissipate with history as much they do in, like, regular history. But Mm -hmm. at the same time, what were you thinking was going to happen, guys? Like, what a strange graveyard this is. I think that we should build a town on top of it, you know? Yeah. Like, that's the vibes I get from this. <laughs> <laughs> but I do love a good haunted island. I do love a good, like, setting to, especially if you're with a playing in a campaign that is a higher level, that you're doing a serious, like, everything's going, 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 and you just want to do a little side quest kind of thing. This, I feel like, would be a good place to visit because you can kind of mm-hmm. plop this anywhere. Mm-hmm. You don't necessarily have to do it within its the means of where it actually is within the mythos and where it is within the job. What is the geography of it all? Yeah, you can just plop a haunted island somewhere, and this is that haunted island. You know. Mm-hmm. But what about you, Mika? Portal there. <laughs> I know you. You can just land there if you fucking felt like it, like airship <laughs> there if you wanted to, right? But yeah. what about you, Mika? How do you feel about it? No, like I totally agree. It it has been like my dream to play in like a pirate campaign, <laughs> or you know, like a campaign with this type of um with I the guess. undead or just with pirates because there's a pirates. big difference. In, like, a coastal town, and, you know, um, I really like how there's, like, a lot of potential here. Um, Mm -hmm. Like, you can build just, like, around this town. If you wanted to get real creative, like, have things happen somewhere else in your, you know, in your world that will bring them back here to, you know. So, yeah, I really like it. Um, Yeah. Potential. I feel like to the point, Casey's point earlier, you could do an evil campaign here, too. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? There's enough like history and enough uh, rights to precedent for the evil person to be evil. So you could definitely do an evil campaign here and follow like the other track and the other train of it, right? Instead of being the heroes being the anti-hero, right? Yeah. You could be like coerced and like end up being a follower just like the other ones. Yeah. Well, that being said, like, what is the scariest and most interesting part of the adventure, do you think, in your opinion? Uh, For me, it's as the players are trying to figure out what is 
happening? Like, why are there, why did they get attacked by undead of anything? Um, And they're coming back. So they'll have firsthand, like, knowledge of how fighting undead is going to be. It's the discovering what is causing that. And that is, it is a rift to the abyss. So, like, to me, the task of closing a tear... And it's particularly one called the Pit of Hatred just sounds extremely scary and challenging. Like you could fuck this up so easy if you don't properly prepare. But that's like this screams to me in our campaigns where we tend to like again unleash ultimate evil onto the world thinking we're doing great things. This yeah. is one of those places you could do that naturally because there is a lot of things put in place that if you fuck up, it will fuck the world up in some way, shape, or form in a larger yeah. sense. And you won't even won't even know what that effect is until later down the line. Yeah. So right? the stakes are really high in the overall impact. And for me, I think if you can relay that clearly to the players, that is the most scary part. Yeah. No. For me, like I feel like the scariest part, and we're gonna get into them, is like the big bad evil guys that come with it. Right. Like some of like the monstrosities that come along with having undead that are naturally acquainted with water uh, that, yeah, you're on land. But if you want to escape, you're probably surrounded by a lot of these evil beings and creatures. So you're kind of alone on this island. You're probably your shipments are going to stop like your resources are going to dwindle. You know what I mean? Like you're not connected to anything because of all the shit that's going on here. You are Mm -hmm. on your own. And I think that that survivalist aspect, we don't really think of that often, but like that survivalist aspect to it, I think is a piece that gets overlooked. And like, yeah, when you th- like, yeah, when you think of the economics of it, obviously, if you were a pirating ring or if the pirates work here, obviously there's ships coming in and out of ports, right? And there's a lot of movement and a lot of selling and a lot of bartering and a lot of bargaining. But if that suddenly stops because your island is now surrounded by all of these drowned undead, even if they're not attacking you, you'll eventually just have an island covered in dead, starved people that will then turn into more undead, mm-hmm. right? So I feel like that's almost like a ticking time bomb that you can play off as a DM. Yeah, and it is clearly noted as well of that risk. So if it's mm-hmm. overlooked by the players, then yeah. Your DM is keeping in of it. Yeah, <laughs> it's going to bite you in the ass if you don't think about the fact that you're getting no supplies to this island, right? Mm-hmm. But what about you, Mieka? What's the scariest part for you? Um, I think it's going to be the drowned and dead, honestly. Mm. Like you're like, it takes place on, like, on an island and then you have all of these undead and they're able to, we're going to get into this, but they're able to communicate with one another like telepathically like within a one mile radius or, um, you know, so like, it's going to get difficult for your players. It's, they're just going to keep coming at you and, you know, um, it's going to get deadly. Yeah. Not mm-hmm. only do you have land creatures to deal with, but you know how these fucking things can breathe underwater. Phenomenal. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And they all have like a purpose and a drive. It's not that they're just ambling zombies doing nothing. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they have had years to develop and like create this whole realm of undead there. Yeah. Before anybody's challenged them. You yeah. want a grudge built on a curse? This is a grudge built on a curse. <laughs> or do you want a curse built on a grudge? This is a curse built on a grudge. This is what you're getting, guys. Yeah. Um, if there's anything that you could add to it, what would it be? If there's anything that you would add to it. 
Yeah, this is a tough one. There is there is a, a ton of content and so many like little nuggets in the book to read through, which makes it really interesting because mm-hmm. you can pull, you can bring things in from the coastal town. You can make NPCs become more solid PCs. You can build stories around that. So I, I don't really have anything specific to add. I think there's a ton of great monsters. You can always throw more monsters at something, but this is pretty harsh already. Yeah. So I don't. I don't. No, I was going to say the only thing that I might add at one point is the fact that, yeah, you're going to be losing supplies to this island, which means that a lot of the creatures that are going to come out from like dying and, you know, having to be resurrected or what have you from being undead, you're going to get different creatures. So you can pull creatures in my mind from other books and other places, even just the DMG, you just pull like random small other undead things. Like we talked about different types of undead animals, body parts, like Mm -hmm. all those pieces, just because they're not necessarily written in this text doesn't mean you can't use them. Right. Like, I'm sure there's someone that's gone crazy, has a foot fetish and has a horde of stomping feet somewhere. You know what I mean? Like, you can throw that shit onto this island if you felt like it. If you ever wanted to throw anything undead related into one place, this is the place to do it. This is where undead live and breathe, right? 100%. Yeah. But What about you, Mika? Anything you would add? No, honestly, I think y'all hit on, like, all the interesting things to add. If anything, I would, like, I guess, flesh out some of the characters a bit more, like, some of the NPCs, like you said, Casey, make them, like, more well-rounded and kind of use them to help build the mystery. That's the way I would work it. Yeah, that makes sense. And then that you you as a DM would definitely go in there and, like, figure out what that economy looks like and what that town looks like and... Yeah. What families are doing what and, you know, give it a little bit of history. Families. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, without further ado, we talked about how we're going to kind of dive into a couple more details on some of the the drowned themselves. So, Mieka, take <laughs> us away. All right. So I'm going to talk about the drowned blade. Um, and this is available, of course, in the Ghost of Salt Marsh. Um. So honestly, it's giving Davy Jones men like from Pirates of the Caribbean. That was the first thing I thought of. It's giving um, me Daddy Davy Jones vibes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, basically, they are like covered in barnacles, and they have that bloated, bloated grayish look about them. Like when you see them, they remind you of the sea. Obviously, like you're going to see bits and pieces of the sea when you see these things coming at you. Um, so like DMs, um, you know, they can get really creative with these. Um, so yeah, I think sea zombies. So basically these are sailors that have drowned at sea. Um, these are medium undead, chaotic, evil. Um, they have an AC of 10 using like leather armor. Their hit points are 68 plus 18 with a speed of 30 feet. Um, so their strength and con are 16. Everything else is below a 10. And of course, they are like immune to poison. Um, dark vision is 60 feet with a passive perception of nine. They have a CR of two. So chances are like your low level players will survive this. But you got to remember that these are coming in groups and like hordes. So like that it's going to get deadly. <laughs> So the drowned blade cannot swim. Um, they literally sink. Even though they sink, um, they take no penalties to being um, to any of its movements or attacks. 
Um, they can communicate telepathically to every drowned blade within a one mile radius. Um, regarding its actions, they have a multi-attack with two long swords, which are like all rusty and like gnarly looking. The, the rusty long sword has a plus five to hit um, a reach of five feet and one D8 plus three slashing damage. So if you are unfortunately this thing's target, you must take a DC 12 saving throw or you get the blue rot, which I think we're going to talk about a little bit later. Yep. Nasty. Oh, yeah. And that's all I have about that. We love that. <clears throat> yeah, they definitely feel like the grunts of the group. You know what I mean? Like these are this is your 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 wave of burly pirate undead gentlemen and or ladies, yeah. you know, <laughs> yeah, we don't, we don't discriminate here. But. but as an adventurer that's like aimed for ninth level, that means there is not going to be like four of these. <laughs> there is going to be a wave of them coming from the sea and emerging on this on the shores of hundreds potentially. Mm -hmm. Like it's, you know, like as a visual to make it that intimidating. Yeah. AOE effects for the win on those. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right, well, let's ask questions as we normally do. Roll some dice. Raise your dice, shall we say, on this podcast. Two. Seven. Eleven. Well, Mieka, you're first. Oh, Phenomenal. All right. What are you... Some, so, as always, quest ideas for these ones. Um, Quest idea. So, like, as in, like... So, it could be anything. So, getting here from, like, what kind of idea would you have for, like, a, an ample quest where you would end up coming across one of these? Or... A creative way to pull them into a quest or even like sometimes you talk about them being in the party but we're talking about undead these ones are not going to be in the party you know what i mean yeah. like for instance how i feel is like again these are the grunts of the of the group you're going to come across these ones first right so right. if you're arriving on this island you're probably going to find a horde of these and that's going to be your warning sign that this island is the island you think it is you know what i mean yeah like so while i was actually while i was um doing like all of you know all this prep i was thinking wouldn't it be, wouldn't it be just like terrible like when your players first get to the island and they like put down like the um the anchor that's when you meet them because they're like they're crawling up the anchor they're trying to like fight you <gasps> crawling up like the side of the ship and yeah. even though, like, you smack them off, they're going to sink to the bottom, but then they're just going to crawl right back up again. Oh, my God. And then they sink your ship, and then that's how you end up on the island, and your surviving group right. is your group, and whoever survives that onslaught, right? Yeah. Oh, my so, gosh. Welcome. Yep. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> That's actually pretty smart. I've been watching a lot of, um, weirdly enough, that we're doing this episode right now. Have you ever seen Below Deck? It's like a, no. it's like one of those reality TV series that follows like a group of like people that work on super yachts. So like super yep. rich people rent yachts, but this is a show that's about the people that work on the yachts. So like make the food, do the yeah. trade downs for the beds, stuff like that. And like I've been watching a lot of like their terminology of like moving things around and like who is who on the boat and stuff like that. So it's very interesting that we're doing this. So when you said when you drop the anchor, all I can hear in my head is anchors away. And like <laughs> she's in the hole and like all that kind of stuff from like when I was watching that fucking show. Like, <laughs> but no, I love that idea, Mika. The fact that the anchor gets dropped, you're kind of deciding to like get on like a buoy ship or whatever to kind of go go to land or what have you, or you're just kind of docking for the evening close to this island. And you're attacked in the middle of the night, yep. right? Like, introduction to what what awaits you. Yeah, 
Like, what a great intro to your story, right? What about you, Casey? Quest thoughts? Well, yeah, I, I'm working right off of that. You may not have any clue um, that this island, what's happened around this island has happened. So that is really how you can add this in to any campaign anywhere, is just... If you're sailing by sea at one point or another, have what Mieka just described happen, and then you land on this island, you have no choice but to basically peruse the island for any kind of food or any sign of life. And then you happen to find the survivors that have been hiding out for potentially, we'll say, days waiting for the next attack to come. Mm-hmm. I think that's pretty clever. I like it. <laughs> I, I also feel like sinking your ship is a good introduction to the um, resource management of what's going to happen on this island because all of your yeah. resources were probably on that ship. All your provisions, all your food, your bedrolls, your comforts, they're all going to go down with that ship. Yeah. And so now you're on this island and stranded and you don't have any of your stuff with you. And then that yeah. kicks off the resource management process and the fact that mm-hmm. you don't have a lot to survive on this island. Plus you're dealing with the undead. Mm-hmm. I love it. What about body horror? We love body horror on this podcast. Mieka, what are your thoughts yeah. on how these would go? Um, So like, I think I said it earlier when I was describing these things. It's like, I want to see the barnacles. I want to see like, like the nasty stuff from the sea. <laughs> it's covered wanna... in seaweed. Yeah. yeah mm-hmm. Covered in seaweed. The skin is all bloated from being in water, you know. Um, I want to see things crawling, like a hermit crab going in, like just crawl, like just, like a hermit crab maybe just like living on it, and mm-hmm. you know what I mean, stuff like that. Like they are like p- a part of the sea. Yeah. So like encrusted with starfish or like, you know, they come up and there's like a squid that's attached to them that like schleps and like runs off or something like that back into the water or. Yeah, no, and I don't like the idea of keeping in mind that they're undead. And if you want to think of like, I think they would just smell like rotting ocean seawater, right? But you won't really smell them until they're out of the water. Like, and it's just like a foul, rotting stench of like rotten fish. And like, again, like because they're so like oceanic, you're going to have those squelching noises, right? Yeah, absolutely. And then like the tattered, torn clothing that just drags across the ground that's been like rotted away from like water and wear and tear, right? So, yeah. And you could play with if any of the the players have the ability to to swim or can cast swim or like underwater breathing, and you end up with two ways to play these these creatures battling in the water and then battling out of the water you could kind of play around with the fluidity because they are used to being in the water so they might be a little bit more refined just for flavor but then when they're out of the water they're a bit more janky they're a bit more squelchy and slower but still just as effective from a stat block point but that could be fun to play with too yeah you're not wrong all right role playing for these ones um you said that these could communicate telepathically between each other but they don't speak a language right i think they only know the languages that they knew in life before they became this so maybe like you would see them communicating like through body language almost if that makes sense 
and like it would freak you out because you wouldn't expect these things to be that smart but they actually are and you know they are um you know they're very understanding of like you know what they need to do and so like it's almost like they are very um what's the word the goal oriented or like yeah goal oriented action yeah action item focused yeah mm-hmm. like yeah that yeah. would freak me out as a player it's like oh okay so they actually have a goal here and they're not just you know they're really trying to kill us <laughs> yeah and i think that's the part to remember is these aren't your average stupid zombies right mm-hmm. they to your point they speak a language they're telepathic they can talk to each other they're going to do a little bit of strategizing here and there right and like something this might come back more into like combat ideas but like especially for thinking of them attacking the boat from below um they know that they're stronger in the water so their goal is going to put you to pull you into the water and get mm-hmm. into the bottom of the ocean and drown you right right so again that feels more along the combat side but if i was going to be role playing these and putting you into an encounter with them they know they're stronger underwater So they're going to strategize and move themselves into positions in which to put themselves in that best opportunity. So whether it's just on the outside of the boat, grabbing you from the outside and pulling you in or surrounding one person and jumping into the water or just like, you know, grappling and jumping is kind of like how I see it in my head. And like, yeah, um, and like to your point, like their goal is to sometimes like what increase their army size, do all these things like they're they're going to want you in the water. And so whether you're on the boat or on the land, their goal is to drag you into the water. Mm -hmm. Right. So what about you, Casey? Yeah. Yeah. And I imagine like if we're talking about hordes of these, say, say you do end up having a beach battle, something like that. And you have like a wave of them coming up onto the beach and without them necessarily saying anything out loud they start grouping and start looking like they're becoming kind of mini groups to attack certain characters the most threatening character and you can clearly see that they're taking direction from each other you could play that out and like players might be really freaked out because they think they're just you know some mundane undead skeleton that just happened to be in the water but it certainly is not yeah like they look at each other and it's almost you can describe it as they look to each other like they're having a conversation with each other but yeah their mouths aren't moving and they're not saying anything yeah right Ooh. yeah <laughs> <laughs> all right exploration clues or combat anything to add to that Mika? um as far as like clues like seeing these things like how do you know they're like um about to show up going back to the whole like uh being on the ship thing my mind just goes to like bubbles just forming in the water (laughs) it's like what the hell is that and then you just see them like you know like coming out of the water and stuff like that like maybe if you're on land or like on the beach maybe like some type of like clues that they were there maybe you just see like a bunch of like dead um like sea life almost like they leave a trail of dead sea life behind them which is like very disturbing like dead fish dead jellyfish dead squid it's yeah yeah it's like the ambiance of like everything around them is sucked of life and undead in any way shape or form they can do right so mm-hmm. that'd be a good exploration piece like when you're coming up to these islands not only does it like smell of dirt and rot but like there's fish floating on the tops yeah. of the waters and stuff like that and like you know that you're not going to find any like wild fish to fish here and like that could be an exploration clue that undead are around 
and maybe dropping your anchor is not the best idea in this area because <laughs> they might climb up and assault your vessel you know <laughs> right yeah i know i like another good one would be like um so their clothing in my mind yes these these zombies have been down here for an ex like, like an exuberant amount of time but i also imagine that like because their clothing like withers away with um with time i can imagine that as you're like shipping on your way to this island like onto like the shores there's gonna be tons of articles of clothing from these <laughs> scattered and littered everywhere why does no one fucking think about this that like you're gonna come up and you're gonna rock up to like a fucking beach and there's just gonna be clothes everywhere and you're gonna think there's some kind of a nudist party somewhere but it's really just their clothing washing up on shore over a long period of time of it degrading and being removed from their bodies there's gonna be tons of their items like swords that they may not use shields they may not use anymore helmets they may not use anymore if a ship went down here and a bunch of these undead drown and now they're on the bottom of the ocean all of those items are going to eventually wash up on shore. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's going to be like, and if this is an uninhabited area of this Island, you might come across that. Yeah. Right. That there's this like, so, and to your party, it'd be like, Oh, a sink must've sunk. A ship must've sunk somewhere. Like mm-hmm. that would be an easy thing to consider, but would you consider that it might've been a ship that sunk and now they're all undead blades that are <laughs> wandering around underwater. Right. <laughs> what about you, Casey? Anything to add? Um, Yeah, and thinking about even just the imminent battle that's coming, say it's evening, you haven't really understood what exactly is going on, and you're sitting on the beach for downtime, and the ocean is rather calm. You can see just, you know, a beautiful sunset of some kind, and then you just start to see ripples forming for no real reason. And then the ripples start moving closer to shore and there starts to be like waves lapping up and there, there hasn't been any wind change. There hasn't been clouds or anything show up and you have near moments to prepare for us like surge of bees coming onto the beach and emerging from the top of the water. Yeah. And you're already down for like your beach long rest, but this is your random encounter in the middle of the night, them onslaughting the beach because they see that you're there. Right. Right? Whoever's on watch is just bored as fuck staring out at this still water for the last seven hours. (laughs) (laughs) Here they come, bitches. (laughs) But yeah. So that's the drowned blade. What do we have next on the docket? All right, we have the Drown Aesthetic. That's how Adam said it's pronounced, so I'm going to stick with Aesthetic. <laughs> I keep thinking knowledge. of it. I, I keep thinking it's like aesthetic, like, but it's aesthetic. But it's like, yeah. the aesthetic. <laughs> it's a look, you know? <laughs> and so these beings, they're very similar to the, um, to the Drown Blade. So they're dressed in robes, like just rotting robes, and they're fists are wrapped in like these like rotting cloth um and so these are medium undead creatures of course chaotic evil with an ac of 13 and 10 d8 plus 30 um hit points with the speed of 30 feet uh their decks and con are 16 with a strength of 12 um of course they're immune to poison and they have dark vision um of 60 feet with a passive perception of nine and they understand the languages that they knew in life. Um, similar to the Drowned Blade, they can't swim either. They just sink um, to the bottom. And they can also communicate telepathically. Um, 
their actions, they make three unarmed strikes. So it's a plus five to hit with a reach of um, five feet. So they're like, they're coming at you and they're like using their fists to like punch you and like, you know. Um, if they succeed, it's 1d8 plus three bludgeoning damage. Um, the target must succeed with a DC 12 constitution saving throw or you get the blue rot. Um, a reaction. <laughs> <laughs> or you get the rot. <laughs> yeah, that's what you get. Um, um, a reaction that they have, if they see their attacker, they add a three to its AC against one ranged attack that would succeed in hitting it. So um, that's, that's pretty badass. Yeah, but <laughs> right. Like that's a monk shit right there. <laughs> yeah, it is. So that is the um, drowned aesthetic. Amazing. All right. Wow. Let's, let's raise some dice to these ones, ladies. All right. 12 uh 9 14 <laughs> amazing all right quest ideas casey for these ones where would you throw them in oh okay i really like that these may look even less intimidating than any other kind of mundane thing because they don't have weapons they're just kind of lumbering potentially um it makes me want to throw them into like the scenarios that you talked about make like if they're climbing up and then just hopping on over parkouring onto the deck <laughs> of the ship mm-hmm. they would actually maybe be one of the more appropriate ones to do that task if we're talking yeah. of talking about these to be being more more tactical more strategic more like thinking of more strategy these ones might be the ones giving hugs megan <laughs> on <laughs> on the the deck of the ship the worst part is I just looked up like the art for these. As you said, these are the ones that would hug you. And like, I got like, what is that? Is it tryptophobia? The one where you have a, like the fear of like the holes or whatever. Oh, yeah. So they're, these are, co- they're covered yeah. in like, I'm going to go right into body horror. These ones are covered in barnacles, <laughs> right? And like most of them are. But when I looked at the image and you said they would hug me, I like, I like, I felt it in my spine. I was like, no, <laughs> uh, hard pass, hard pass, hard pass. Like, yeah. Success then. That suggestion. Yeah. I hate it. No. I like, I love the imagery of someone lobbing an arrow from a distance and then this thing just being like, like batting it off with like one, you know, (laughs) with like one hand, you know, or it like hits a barnacle and like launches off and it thinks that, like, again, because it's the AC that increases when it, you know, for ranged attacks. Like, I just can imagine that it, like, it, like again, bounces off these barnacles that are on it. And, like, that's a good way to describe how it's defending itself. Yeah. But how fucking frightening that you have these fucking, these, like, undead, um, drowned blade warriors running at you in a horde. And you have these ones sitting at the back lobbing shit at you. And, like, <laughs> your, your archer's trying to shoot fire arrows. And these ones specifically, if you try and shoot them from a ranged distance... Are just batting shit off left, right, and center, just like moving towards you as they can, right? Ooh. Yeah, yeah. What a reveal! Hey, like you think, oh, I'm just I'm gonna pick one off with an arrow, and then it even catches it yeah. and then throws it aside for flavor. It's just like, what the hell just happened? Yeah, <laughs> fuck you in particular, right? Like, <laughs> oh man, what about you, Mika? Anything to add? I don't. 
honestly, I don't see these things being like that smart at, at all. Like I just <laughs> like I just see them running at you just like chaos. They're just running at you just trying to like hit you and it's like there's no like skill to it or anything. They're like we're here to fight. Like Yeah, like, like brute so. force. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like we've established that the most we're going to talk about is that this is an army of like drowned undead coming at you. Not necessarily yeah. its own quest line at this point, but like, <laughs> but no, I love, I, I just love the imagery of these ones. Just not giving a shit about your, your bullshit. Right. Yeah. Like, fuck yes. But uh, uh, anyways, um, I started with body horror a little bit. Anything you guys want to add to body horror? Uh, same thing that I said for the drowned blade. I want to see like the sea on these guys, you know. Yeah, these ones are particularly crusty in my mind. Extra barnacles. It's like because you have to differ- in my mind sometimes you differentiate them slightly. So when I picture the blades, in like even with the imagery, I picture them more bloated because I feel like these are the ones that are sitting at the bottom of the ocean waiting for something to do. When it comes yeah. to the aesthetic, I feel like they're like more quote unquote active in my mind. So they're slightly less bloated, <laughs> a little bit more slender, but covered in barnacles because they're all over the sea, right? So if you are going to differentiate between them when you're speaking about, like, let's say if you had to do this, like, theater of the mind, that's how mm-hmm. I would describe them. If I was going to describe a blade, more bloated. Aesthetic, a little bit more slim, more slender, but, like, more covered in the sea, like, barnacles and crispy and crusty, right? Yeah, and you could lean into, like, when it slams you with that like wrapped fist there's like that squashing of like this rotting fabric that hits you you know you know like when you throw a wet rag on the ground and it makes that (laughs) (laughs) yeah or if they were to grapple you like the the sound of the crunching of the barnacles around you and like they scrape your skin yeah oh yeah (laughs) don't step on one because you'll get a cut foot for life yeah and then, and then that blue rot man <laughs> can't wait for us to get into blue rot i feel like we should have talked yeah. about blue rot first but i feel like we'll talk about like yeah. we're, we're just leading it leading it up to it the whole episode. this whole the, the big yeah. reveal of what blue rot is yeah. <laughs> oh man well that being said is there anything else about these two that you guys want to talk exploration clues combat no, I just see them as like being chaotic beings that are just like, like they have ad- they have attitude, and so like they're going yeah. to be all over the place. Yeah, yeah. and there's the <laughs> both, both types are very easy to intermingle in a in the same battle. They can be in different waves of the same battle. They one can be a surprise, like different creature than than the first that the that the team might be might be like combating with. Mm-hmm. Um, because they're very similar but have some unique quirks about each one. Well, then I'll move on to the next one, then if y'all feel comfortable. Yeah. Uh talk Do about it. the the drowned assassin, which is obviously seemingly like the regular, like they go along with the theme that we're talking about here, but these are drowned versions of once great assassins. So they tend to stalk and creep around sneaking within like the shadows of the waters or the shadows of like the sea lands. Uh, They're medium-sized humanoid creatures that are rotting away, of course, and covered in barnacles and sea life. Basically, right out of, like, a haunted undersea movie, like we've been talking about, which is, you know, Pirates of the Caribbean style. Um, However, the difference with these ones, and this is a good descriptor, is they wear a driftwood mask to cover up their rotting face. 
very specifically, which is something extremely, extremely frightening to behold. And we'll get into that when we talk about their stats, stats and their abilities. So they are chaotic evil creatures with an AC of 14. They do wear a simple leather armor, which uh, is obviously most likely born from their waking life. Um, they have a hit pool of around 67 and a general walking speed of 30. Uh, they are in the negative for their intelligence and wisdom, but have a plus three in charisma, con, and dex. And their strength mm-hmm. being above average at a plus two. So a little bit beefier than the other two that we've been talking about. Um, but they're also skilled in intimidation and stealth. So a little bit more snick snicky. Um, and unlike most undead, they, well, sorry, and like most undead, they are immune to poison and being poisoned. They have dark vision and a passive perception of nine. And of course, as for languages, similar to the other ones Mika was talking about, uh, they know the languages they do in their waking life. This brings them to a CR of four. So not so seemingly and frightening until you kind of get into a little bit more of its abilities. So much like the others we discussed, uh, they are bottom treaders. So they walk on the wa- the bottom of the water. Um, they're bound together so they have the telepathy. And of course, they have the undead fortitude of being an undead. But for attacks, they have a multi-attack with a barnacle-covered crossbow, very specifically described, which is a plus five to hit and hits for six damage, however, has the chance to cause the rot. (laughs) Uh, Their daggers also do the same. But they also have a very special ability called literally the reveal (laughs) that they can do once per day where they remove their mask And everyone within a 30-foot radius of this monster must make a DC wisdom of 13 save or be frightened by them. Wow. So this is definitely that weird thick creature that just like rises up from the middle of this horde wearing these masks, (laughs) right? And then just like removes it. And then you are immediately frightened of it so that your goal is to like run away from it, right? Mm -hmm. But now you're running towards a horde of zombies because it's like on the other side of you or something like that, right? But I just thought it was really cool. The imagery of these like under this like unseemingly unbeknownst horde of zombies and a horde of undead water barnacle covered things. There's these things wearing these like driftwood masks. Right. And they're intelligent enough to carve them. Right. And wear them and want to Mm -hmm. wear them and have this big reveal. Like it's so interesting to me that these things would be in the middle of battle talking to their people telepathically being like, I'm going to do the reveal. And they're like, no, no, Kevin, not right now. No. And it's like, no, I'm going to do the, I'm doing it. I'm doing the reveal. I'm going to do it now. I'm going to do it live. Like, (laughs) but yeah, that is the uh, drowned assassin. Neat. That certainly adds a lot. It really does. Crossbow. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like, so cool. But, um, so let's talk about these ones. Roll, raise some dice, ladies. I am switching dice. May as well. 12. Why am I always rolling 12s? This dice is a piece of shit. <laughs> I got four. <laughs> Nine. Mm. All right. Going first with the 12. So quest ideas for this one. I feel like they're a little bit more higher up in the chain of command when it comes to being within a battle int, shall we say. And these are the ones that may actually try and communicate with you. Mm-hmm. And knows that it has this back pocket option of removing this mask in front of you, right? So mm-hmm. no, they can't speak. No, they can't do this thing. But I feel like they are smart enough to know that if they communicate with you, they might get something out of you or be able to get further along with their goal as an army or a battlement with these ones. So if you were to be successful in getting through the blades and then successful in getting through, um, what was the other one? Getting through the... Um, the aesthetic. The, the aesthetic. <laughs> brown 
this is the one that's going to rise up. And maybe this is where you'll take a pause. And I, again, it can't necessarily communicate with you what it wants, but this is when you're going to take a moment and be like, this might not be a regular zombie horde. This might not be a regular zombie undead horde. This is where it's going to stop you. And that quest line could begin to in a completely different direction. Whether it becomes, this is where your evil campaign starts because you join its plight, or this is where you piss off someone because you've now killed like it, the battlements like owner or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Or commander, shall we say. But yeah. Uh, who is next? Sorry. Casey. Casey. Was it me? I got four. Yeah. <laughs> what about you, Millie? Any uh, quest ideas or how would you add these ones in? Uh, I think these are the the first ones so far today that um, you could potentially pull right out of that whole scenario that we've kind of been following about a piratey campaign. These could potentially be assassins for hire and a big bad evil guy has hired one or a few of these there might be rumors of this like really really good assassin and they seek them out and find them and you might be hunted by it or you might be trying to seek it out but you could pull it away from kind of the coastal and island theme potentially with these um Mm -hmm. and maybe have a bit of a story elsewhere about them yeah and i (laughs) i just imagine like say you set up a meeting with one of these and then <laughs> you just have to tell like, like your assistant it's like whatever you do do not look at it do not look at don't it look- <laughs> don't <laughs> look him don't. in the face he hates it when you look him in the face <laughs> yes right it's like whatever you do do not piss it up if you see it going for the driftwood just fucking run okay? close your eyes <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's where my mind went <laughs> love it what about you Mieka? anything to add to this yeah like honestly i would i would use these guys like the last battle and like the players don't see it coming at all it's like they're thinking that you okay we've been fighting these things for like this entire like campaign like and but then you like throw this at them and then like they reveal their face and then i like you sit there and you tell your player like oh well you know do the rolls or whatever <laughs> it's like no one would be expecting it you know yeah, so yeah i would use them yeah it's so so different from fighting an undead horde right especially for people that haven't necessarily researched into the different types of undead that exist it's kind of like you're not fighting a regular zombie and this one has enough of a twist that makes mm-hmm. it slightly more interesting and like to add on to casey's point i would love to do like i love a good cult we know megan loves a good cult <laughs> but like this is, would be a cult of just these ones that yeah. worship a very specific, I don't know, dragon or something that lives on this island. And they are the, like, the battlement of these. And there's just a bunch of, like, you guys see, like, um, what's Princess Mononoke with the Kadamas, the ones that, like, shake their heads and, like, make noises? You Neither no, of you I, are I, looking like you understand what I'm saying. <laughs> but for the internet, there you go. That's what I picture. When they shake their heads, they make clicking noises because they're wearing these oh. wooden masks, right? And, like, you can hear them within the forests and within the trees. But, like, of course, because we're talking about the water, that's a sound that you hear in the distance. And that's, like, in my mind, a good exploration piece to these is you can hear them. So mm-hmm. not not only are you from the undead getting the squelching piece or, like, the cracking of the barnacles as they're moving, but you're getting a weird click from the mask that's, like, hitting their jaw whenever they, like, shake their head because they're wearing this mask, right? So, so creepy. I'm going to actually look if Kadama is the right word. Just give me <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna kill Roman's gonna kill me because he has a tattoo of one. I am correct. Phenomenal. 
But yes, uh, that's kind of how I picture these ones again, because they're wearing these masks. And I think that's, again, a good exploration piece is that sound of the clicking of the mask hitting their, because they're undead. They're not going to have skin like underneath. It's just like jawbone and weird left off like flesh. Right. So that mask is going to be hitting their scalp and their, and their skull and their bones when they talk. Right. Yeah. 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 And you can't forget about how stealthy they will be. Like you could be finished battle, you know, looting some, trying to find loot. You won't find any if you're fighting any of these, but you might be, just wandering about trying to just reassess the situation and you turn around and one is just standing there like 10 feet away from you staring at you and then it just like reaches up to pull its mask off like yeah yeah scary no absolutely and like what a great decoy piece again full cult of these things and you're like (laughs) on the beach of this island and all of a sudden you hear this clicking sound and you're looking in one direction and they come from another one yeah. Like they're going to use the sounds that they create from these masks and these wood pieces that they're wearing to distract you to go in one direction. And it's kind of like that whole, like, um, something in the forest calling for help almost. Uh huh. But they know that they can't talk to you. So instead of calling you to the forest, they're going to make these weird clicking sounds to make your unsuspecting person who's on watch go and investigate this sound. But you're going to get attacked from behind because, again, they're assassins, they're sneaky. They are good at hiding the whole nine yards, right? Yeah. Oh, what about you, Mika? Anything else to add to those? Um, no. I no? think I'll really like, I think I'll really like <laughs> Yeah. We've made them frightening enough. You're like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I'm done. I'm done with these. I don't much care for them. <laughs> like the whole clicking sound and everything. It's like, oof. Oh, yeah. I'm I'm all for a good ambiance. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like good love me a good click. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but uh all right next i'm gonna talk about the drowned master so this is when we get into like the ultimate meat and potatoes of these folks so the drowned master picture if you will a humanoid torso with shadow tentacles that it uses that to, to float around so it is a it is a humanoid torso but instead of legs it has shadow tentacles oh my i don't want to repeat myself again but just picture <laughs> that in your head <laughs> So they are actually bound to the pit of hatred. So Casey mentioned this within the campaign. And so they're bound to it. In fact, that they can't actually travel far from it. So they use their abilities to control and manipulate other drowned creatures to do their bidding. So they actually have control over all these other drowned creatures we've talked about today. And they Mm. use them to do their bidding from the pits of hatred. So you won't necessarily come across these ones until you get to the pit of hatred. You're going to come across their, their, again, a cult, shall we say, of the the pit of hatred. They're they're the ones that run it, right? Mm. So stat-wise, they are a medium, of course, undead creature that is chaotic evil. They have a natural armor of 14 and a healthy dice pool of 157 with a speed of 30. They're above average in all stats except intelligence, which is at its lowest is a negative one, which is not that bad for a big bad creature kind of thing. Similar to other drowned, they are bound together and have undead fortitude, but they now have something called a cold aura, which is an ability when on its turn, anyone within five feet of it takes 1d10 cold damage. It also means that anyone who makes a melee attack against them that is within five feet will then take another 1d10 cold damage. So you can't necessarily be in close proximity to these ones because you're going to continuously take cold damage. I'm imagining what it feels like 
you know, when you jump into water, like, and it's like a little bit of like, almost like a deep sea or a lake and it's slightly warm until you hit like one foot underwater. And then you suddenly hit that weird cold patch. Mm -hmm. That's how I feel like you would feel it. You'd be swimming and all of a sudden you get that in your spine, that chill that goes up because you just gone a little bit too far, you know? So, but then on their turn, they also have a multi-attack where they can either use their great sword or use what's called life drain. So the great sword is a plus seven to hit with slashing with an extra amount of cold damage. Obviously, it's kind of their theme. Then a DC save of 12 con or they get the rot. The rot. The rot. Their life <laughs> drain, however, is a plus seven to hit and deals necrotic damage. Uh, then it's a DC 15 con save or they will have their max hit points reduced by that amount of damage. Mm -hmm. If you are killed in this way, then you're insta dead. There is no death <laughs> save. Wow. So they're going to want to be in your space. However, weirdly enough, this goes away after a long rest. So just take a nap and it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only part that like bothered the shit out of me. I was like, yeah. what do you, what do you guys have to get out of the water and take a nap? Get the fuck out of here. Yeah. <laughs> um, but they also have something called necrotic ink on top of that. Uh, this is a 30 foot cone of ink that goes out in front of them. If you are caught in this ink, you have to make a DC 15 con save or take the full 68 necrotic damage. Half on a save. And if, oh you, fa and if you fail, you are blinded and you get the rot. <laughs> oh my God. And the rot. <laughs> and the rot. <laughs> oh, my oh my God. It's like... Mm, I don't like that. I can't. <laughs> right? Like, I, I mean, we have to keep in mind that, again, this campaign was built for, what was it, Casey? It was like level nine yeah. of four players or more. Yeah. yeah. So these are going to be a little bit tougher to kind of to like get through and actually require some problem solving on how to destroy or what have you, right? So yeah. that being said, <laughs> let's raise some dice and talk about these final blue rock creatures all right oh god three <laughs> yeah. i roll a 19 19 ladies i'm the one on the 12 now phenomenal we love a good 12 <laughs> megan loves 12 actually her favorite number is 13 but that's fine i'm gonna stop talking about my third about self of the third person um so quest ideas for these ones obviously i kind of talked about my idea a little bit earlier um these are the ones that are going to be of course sending out their people um day in and day out they they know what's around them in my mind they are connected to this pit of hatred uh and you're not going to see them until you get to it because again they're bound to it they're not going to leave it so but in my mind what i would love to do is that there is maybe a curse or a i don't know like um an injury or a an health issue that can only be solved by the ink of one of these. So your your quest is to go and find one and get some of its ink mm. without dying. And it will save that one player that you have that on your party that is like either dying from some disease or like has a terminal illness or something along those lines. But getting this ink is important. And so that is your quest. The whole point of this thing is to go to this fucking island, go to this place and get ink from these things. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. <laughs> what about you, Casey? <laughs> yeah, that's really good. Um, <laughs> my, so I instantly think of Ursula for this, but then also a hint of um, Finding Nemo. Because <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, you guys made me ink. <laughs> Don't touch the butt. 
Uh, yeah, this, I don't, I couldn't really think of a specific quest. That one's really good, Megan. Um, and yeah, like it's going to be guarding something really important. So if you want to pull it away from like the pit of hatred and stick it somewhere else, that's just horrifically evil. That's where you're going to find it. And I also believe that it's going to, it's going to have a long time to think about like method of attack on you. I feel like it's just going to know you're coming long before you even know where it is. So it's going to potentially mess with you and maybe surprise attack you from some sort of like high up hidden location or something like that. And I feel like it's just going to have more minions around it, even if you've like killed off all of the layers of hordes that it sent out. Mm-hmm. It's never going to be by itself. It's always just going to have a few more monsters like lurking around as a last ditch effort. Yeah. And even even if you did find one mysteriously by itself and you you, you like rock up to it and you it just like I think it just I have this image in my head where it just like tilts its head and then all of a sudden you're surrounded because it controls all the rest of the drown and the undead around it. Yeah. So like you're going to have like and I would as a DM roll 1d4 or 1d6 to tell you how many rounds and until you are surrounded by a horde of blades, assassins, like the whole nine yards, right? Yeah. Like, I imagine if finally you come face to face with it and it just like smiles at you through the, the murky sea. And remember when we talked about those undead, they were like undead eels. Where like you can see the skeletons around them. I'm I'm channeling Ursula right now. Like it just smiles at you. And then two of these like wild undead eels just come like swimming up next to it. And then just book it at you. Things like that. Like you might have found it and you are not going to fight it even then. Quite Mm -hmm. yet. You have to make it through another layer of of combat first. Yeah, 100%. What about you, Mika? Anything to for quest ideas on your end? Yeah, like Casey, like talking about what you were just saying. Um, you have to go through the layers of like the undead in order to get to this um thing. And so, yeah, you can't get close. It's just gonna the closer you like you're getting, the the harder it's gonna be to get close to these things. And if you you do get close to it, it's just going to be just chaos, just very chaotic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's like you're going to end up fighting every single one of these before you yeah. get to this one at some point or another. Right. So, yeah. And then it does have such devastating abilities, too. Oh, yeah. yeah. These ones did look slightly different. So, when it comes to body horror, any thoughts and ideas? Like, from my perspective, it's again, it is a torso with shadow tentacles. Mm-hmm. Fucking creepy. <laughs> like, I. That just that description alone is enough for me. I'm done. I'm out. That to me speaks grappling. That to me speaks you move way too fast underwater. That to me is just like, well, this is a whole kind of whole witchery kerfuck. I'm not dealing with this shit. Half and half. I'm out. Just no, not doing it. Um, <laughs> and but like like at the same time, like they would also have be covered in like their barnacles and stuff like that. But I feel like if you're going to come across these, you are, you have found a way to fight things underwater. It's how I imagine that you're fighting these ones. Really? Like, mm-hmm. I don't necessarily think they would be on land in any way, shape or form. So yeah. it would definitely be describing, you know, how it is and the fears of being underwater and what that's like. And then again, that feeling of how cold it gets when you get within five feet of it. 
So describing that feeling of, again, jumping into a, in the ocean, then you get one foot of where it feeling normal temperature. And all of a sudden you get that sudden change of temperature where it drops from like, I don't know, from like 15 degrees all the way down to like negative five degrees kind of thing. And that's in Celsius, bitches. So don't tell me how to convert that into Fahrenheit. Get the fuck out of here. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> the real temperature. Confuse the shit out of me, Aka. <laughs> you're like, that's still cold, Megan. Both of those are still very cold. <laughs> but yeah, Any, anything you guys would add for body horror for these ones? Yeah, like the the speed aspect, kind of the the whipping and swirling of the tentacles in the water. That is just that, you know, that that fast kind of freak you out movement when that creatures can do where it's like, ah, like, just I don't want to go near it because it's just like whipping and jerking. And I imagine them all like working in unison, but then also it they can like spread out and it can look like it's like quite large with all of its tentacles spread out. So just that creepy, jerky, quick movement of those tentacles would be really horrible. Agreed. <laughs> would be Mika. So like, do these things have like a face? Yeah. Okay. They're the humanoid torso. <laughs> so they have like a regular, regular undead kind of like face, arms, like chest piece. But mm-hmm. the only thing that is different is that they have tentacle it's legs. Tentacles. Yeah. Uh, I would like, so this is going to be hard to explain. But I would almost want to see like what maybe maybe remnants of what it looked like when it was human almost. Uh, I don't know if that makes sense. Like you just see the horror of what it has like um, turned into, right? Because these are like, you know, we have the drowned blade, which is like, you know, like, a you know, someone who has drowned. And then you have the other ones that still they like look like zombies basically they look like that undead but like with these things these are just like you know they're just so twisted looking i would really kind of play into like how they look and how you know off it is like they're very off-putting to look at and just scary to deal with overall yeah i almost feel like you could depending on your players backstories make this one of the peoples that they know (gasps) yes so they're like because they would be like if it was to be a warrior that passed away and like it was a person that was of your party of a level nine party Mm -hmm. this is going to be that strong version of somebody that you once knew like let's say the very beginning of the campaign your boat sinks you end up on the island you're doing your thing trying to figure your stuff out go through the campaign and then at the very end when you're going through here a lot of these versions uh, of these masters they are people that were on that ship that sunk so like what like your fucking chef or like your what like they don't even have to be like emotionally attached you know what i mean but like you recognize them as they are people that were once on your ship Mm -hmm. right yeah and if it was a like actual pc that died early in the campaign it would probably be one that would be selected going through the pit of hatred it's like you you are going to be my drowned master you're strong enough to protect it yeah 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 no absolutely i love it horrific oh that gives me like a sick stomach feeling megan i know you're welcome i love a good i love a good sad story so like if i can pinch a tear or two out of my players i will absolutely do it sorry adam made you cry um don't regret anything 
what about like exhibition clues or even combat? Because these ones have a couple of extra combat aspects to them. So I'll remind you a little bit of what these, these ones have. The ink cone, they have the life drain, and they've got a giant great sword. And then, yeah, this is a little bit more to them when it comes to their abilities. So for me, I would really want to lean into the the life drain aspect. Like they're mm-hmm. definitely wanting to like suck you dry of your life and insta-death you so you can basically insta-undead them if that makes you know what i mean like you're gonna Mm -hmm. waste no fucking time on just like dwindling down their hit points just for them to do death saves at one point like you are going to suck the life out of them as much as you can and yeah so what a great imagery then like especially this is somebody now that you know is just Mm -hmm. sucking the life out of you Mm -hmm. yeah love it but what about either of you (laughs) casey or amiga oh i think it was me Um, yep uh because of the this is the only one we've talked about that actually like is more mobile in the water I would say especially visually I really want to give this a faster swim speed give it 40 feet like why would it not have a faster swim speed simply because it's got so many of those tentacles like it's going to move swiftly and fast So I might push it and do that just to add a little bit more there if it's coming at you and absolutely use the ink. No question. Yep. I am. Yeah. Use the ink. I would use the ink on like your beloved NPCs. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you've been Adam too much. We're corrupting you a little too much. Like we're we're ruining you. And I think that we need to figure that out. Like I would use the ink on your beloved NPCs because it really wants to use that like life drain on like your strongest players. I think mm. you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah I hear you. Harsh, Mika. But like the weak beloved NPCs, it's gonna use that ink. The small gnome <laughs> child that you've been wandering around with you this whole time is just gonna get fucking slopped up by one of these. Uh, he has no business being <laughs> he has no business being here yeah <laughs> the last thing you see is the terror uh, the terrored look as it's swept into the darkness <laughs> yeah i love it oh my god all right team we've talked about these four evil stupid drown undead <laughs> monsters but let's talk about the rot it's finally rot, time rot, rot. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So very near the back of the Ghosts of Salt Marsh, you'll find the explanation of blue rot. So this is a disgusting disease consisting of blue boils that emerge on the face and on the back. The drowned ones carry it, as we have clearly noted, and they spread it through wounding any type of humanoid. So that could be um, scratching them and it could potentially even be just grabbing onto them. If there's physical contact, there is risk. Because I think we really hit something about like all of those barnacles and even grappling, like, you know, the scratches you would get from that, all of it is fair play. So blue rot also impacts ability scores. These are the worst kinds of things to happen to a party. Um, So it takes 1d4 hours to infect 
and it will decrease the con and charisma scores of the target by 1d4. Um, you can get it down to three at the lowest, which is really, really bad. <laughs> um, so this is something that will impact you long term, potentially, if you your dice are not on your side. So in addition to the ability score decreases, you are now vulnerable to radiant damage, but you will be able to breathe underwater. So I mean, <laughs> one plus. <laughs> um, so at the end of a long rest, it does not just go away. The victim has to roll a DC 12 con save. On a success, they regain one point from each con and charisma. On a fail, they take 4d8 necrotic damage as the infection spreads further in their body. If it reduces the victim to zero hit points, it cannot regain hit points until the disease is cured. So you are out completely and all you can do is continue re-rolling at long rests to try and come back and get cured. You can't be cured by cure wounds. It doesn't work. The only thing your party can do for you is stabilize you so you're not rolling death saves, but you remain at zero HP until you're cured. You have to fix yourself. <laughs> right? So, yeah, like, if you end up taking, um, say, four or five points down for your con and charisma, this could take you week a week potentially to get better in your in-game weeks <laughs> like it's just it's rough yeah not only to mention that like a lot of the ones that we talked about the ability to get the rot is you basically just have to get hit by one yeah. once and you can mm -hmm. potentially get it and like yeah. it's fucking frightening like so like, we talked about these things like they're like no big fucking deal they're just regular undead like <laughs> but no Every single one of these gives the opportunity to get this fucking blue rot. And yeah, because you you don't get a save against it. If yep. you get hit and you take damage, that can be that. can That's it. It's like and you get you get the slashing damage and you get the rot or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> that's like that's rough. <laughs> I it, love it. <laughs> it's pretty fucking rough. Um. How do you guys feel about the body horror aspects of this? Because like Casey described it as it's like these blue boils that appear and they're like pustules and gross. Like I think that's like a good enough explanation of like it is very physically apparent that you are diseased. Yeah, right? there's no hiding it. It's um, the popping for me. Like if it gets mm -hmm. worse, it pop like they pop and it just like spreads and it's almost <laughs> like it's like alive. What do you? Ugh, I hate it. Hate just it. looks like you're covered in like these like gooey versions again it's that trip it's that phobia of like the weird holes in your body that's all i can imagine that's all over your skin like they look like barnacles but they're actually squishy you know like yeah. <laughs> no. yeah and this is really where you like how you mentioned where you need to find a cure this could be the reason to go further and actually seek out the ink <gasps> is perhaps it is the cure for this could you imagine? Yeah. You're welcome. You're welcome, <laughs> internet, for that there one. Get the ink. She cures She cures the rot. Yeah. <laughs> imagine how much gold you would be able to like, make if you started just, like, packing that up. <laughs> oh, my God. But that could be, like, a whole thing. 
right? Is that like on this island, there is a cure for this blue rot that happens from these other things, but you can only get it from this pit of hatred because that's where these ink things exist. Mm -hmm. So it's like, so it might be like a harvesting trip that you guys have like a, you guys have like a, a battlement or like a group that does this once a month. You go in, you harvest the ink, you leave, you have a process, an in and out system, right? And then it just goes awry once. Mm-hmm. And then it's just about, okay, well, then like your adventuring party is to go in and save this group. That is a normal like in and out kind of like process, right? Yeah. But ugh. but that's, yeah. But speaking of like um the mechanics of it itself, how do you guys feel about the mechanics? Uh, do you think they're all balanced or do you think it's a little much? It's harsh. I'm going to just double check the actual book to make sure I got it correctly because, you know, there's a lot of info there. Fair enough. Um, yeah. And I probably went through it fast. So to recap how it's it's the ability score impact that is the most devastating for this. Um, so once infected, the creature can make a con save of DC 12 at the end of each long rest. On a success, the victim regains one hit point of con and one of charisma. If the infected creature regains all of the lost points, it's cured. Um, uh, oh, and, an, and another thing to note is other effects that could raise the victim's ability scores don't cure the disease. So you can't just use another means to regain those ability score points. Got you. Um, and then on a failed saving throw, the victim takes 4d8 necrotic damage as the boils burst and strip burst and spread. A creature reduced to zero hit points by this damage cannot regain hit points until the disease is cured, though it can be stabilized. Yeah. So I guess the question is: so I take it as like you can't do much to help this creature. Like you can't give it many things to help ability scores you can't do a lot but in your opinion would cure wounds would you as a dm would you allow cure wounds to remove this disease no (laughs) yes megan harsh hard pass (laughs) and like as i feel like it's gonna take because and that's the thing though i do feel like as a dm there are things that you can do when you know that you're coming up to these that to give them a bone so to speak of how to deal with this disease, right? And whether that is before you go into the deep, deep depths, you have to find a, I don't know, town of people that have been dealing with this rot for years and know how to deal with it, right? Mm -hmm. So they have tinctures, they have potions, they have all these things that can help you with this disease. Don't just jump in their guns blazing, right? So I feel like it's going to be that first interaction that you have. One or two of you is going to get this disease and the first part of this whole interaction is going to be find someone that teaches you how to handle dealing with this disease. Mm-hmm. And then that's going to be the first the first adventure. And then you're going to throw them that bone. They're going to figure out, okay, this is how we deal with the disease. We've got these potions. We've got these ointments. We have these things from this like group of folks that, again, have probably been dealing with it for years. Mm-hmm. And, and then they're going to use that to continue on with their adventure, right? It's going to give them that sense of fear and reality that this is more dangerous than just your average dive into the sea for treasure. Right. So if you just made it healable by cure wounds, there's no fear of it in my mind because everyone's going to have cure wounds somewhere. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's where I'm at too. Is this is not your, your usual thing. No. 
and make it make it their job to figure out how to handle it. Yeah, make yeah. them live with it. And yeah. like it out. But you as yeah. a DM would give them an out. You know what I mean? And that's always my rule. Give them more outs than ins, right? Yeah. And also have the mental dilemma of whether to roll or not. Because like you can choose to roll the con save, but if you fail, it gets worse. So if like the player, if you're going hard into your role playing your character, if your character, if you, it was just a rough day in general, maybe they are not going to be equipped to roll that con save. Mm-hmm. And they may just live with those ability scores decreased for some time. Yeah, that's true. And we have in our campaigns that we played together have had mm-hmm. us have our our like our stats deplete. And we have had to go sessions without yeah. figuring out how to finally get our ship back. And it's taken again, it's taken finding a group of folk that have been dealing with the problem that we are currently dealing with for years and teaching us how to deal with it. Yeah. Right. And I love that concept is that this is not native land to you. You're jumping in here, not knowing what's going to happen. You've now fucked yourself up. How do you fix it? Find people that know how to deal with it, because if it's here, it means someone has dealt with it before. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. And that goes into what you love, Mieka, about like getting to know the villagers, building out those NPCs and finding the people that you need to talk to. Yeah. Yeah. Building that community. (laughs) Yeah. Well, we are on to choosing on a scale of one to 10 of bloated corpses. How would you rank these drowned undead as part of the undead landscape in D&D 5th edition? So we're starting with the drowned blade. They're like, in my mind, I I labeled them physically as the most bloated. This is weird. But they're your your basic (laughs) schlebs, you know, like I'm going to give them a solid like four or five. Like, yeah, bore me. But like the bl- the rot itself scares the shit out of me. But th- these ones themselves mechanically and as they stand, neutral. Four or five. Yeah, I was going to say five, actually. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm even going a smidge lower. I, I don't remember what I rated like a, a plain old skeleton or a zombie back in the day. We've done too many monsters at this point. We really but have. But I would give it like a solid three. Yeah. I really want at the end of the series for someone to do a graph of all of our <laughs> ratings of where these sit and see if they actually line up. Because I feel like none of us are actually doing this on paper. It's just kind of how we feel in the moment. No. So it's going to be like, well, it's, I'm sorry. At one point I rated a skeleton scarier than, I don't know, a zombie oh, meerkat, you know? Like. Absolutely. It's going to be that way. Because we're yeah. just getting into the weeds on these things. And like when we were just the naive, it's like, yeah, that, that sounds pretty fucked up. I'm going to rate that high. And now it'd be like, bah, I don't care. I don't care about that anymore. <laughs> we have blue rot now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, so next is the drown ascetic. Uh, nine for me. Sorry, Megan. A what? Sorry, what, a nine? Yeah, I like. I don't. I don't. I don't <laughs> like the fact that it's like like trying to beat you up, like it's throwing hands at you. <laughs> like, I don't know. I find that funny and like just too much at the same time. It's just chaos <laughs> is like running at you. It's like, oh my god! Like, calm down. It's the un, un, undead monk of the sea. I'm not here for your energy, bitch. Sit down. <laughs> oh my gosh! No, I, I, I weirdly enough though, like I, I do like the idea that it has the ability to like swat off attacks, but it doesn't scare me that much. I'm gonna give it. I gotta give it a five. Yeah, I'm with you at about a five, mid range yeah. for me. Next is the assassin. Ten. <laughs> yeah, ten. 
I think it's just the narrative that I built in my head of like, yeah. again, the clicking of their masks and the fact that they hide within the forest still. And like, again, like if you're on an island, there might be like little pots of like seawater where they just kind of hide and await for you. You know, like they're the sneaky, sneaky ones. So I don't like things that hide in the night. Yeah, that is fair. I think we have brought that one up just by our discussions. <laughs> you're Nine welcome. or ten for me. Yep. Yeah. Um, next is the drowned master. Oof. Ten and a half. Worse than the assassin? Equivalent? Like ten? No. I gotta say it's equivalent, but for different reasons, right? Like it, it like body horror-wise, they're more frightening. However, comma, you're not gonna come in contact with them until a very specific time frame in your campaign. Yeah. Whereas like the assassin, the blades, the ascetic, like you're gonna come across them as you're traveling along the island within the shores of the seas. They're going to be all over the place. Yeah. Not until you go closer again, because they're bound to this fucking pit. So yeah. unless you go to the pit, they're, you're not going to come across them. When I come across them, they're a 10. But because I know that I'm not going to see them that often, and I don't really much care for the fact that they're probably may or may not be around, they don't scare me that much. So I'm going to give them a solid seven. Ooh. Yeah. yeah. I was going to say just a nine all around, like for reasons you said, Megan. It's like, yeah. I'm not going to come across them often, but when I do, you know, I know I got to like fight it off, but like, yeah, not as scary as yeah. the assassin. Yeah. Agreed. The assassin takes the cake. I think I'd put drown master at an eight. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. And rounding out the list is blue rot. The rot. The rot. <laughs> I think blue we rot. all agree. Ten. <laughs> what did you say? 10. 10. Don't get the rot. <laughs> 11 for me for a, second, <laughs> for a second i thought one of you said 15 and i'm like fair 78 <laughs> yeah, don't fuck with the rot solid round know. number at 77 you know like <laughs> you don't want the rot let's just say that no oh my goodness i love that all right, well, now it's time to close the crypt on this part of our conversation on Undead in D&D 5th Edition. Stay tuned next month when we rise up to haunt you again with even more terrors from beyond the grave that stalk you through the chill darkness of dread. Thanks for listening to this episode of the It's a Mimic podcast. If you'd like to support us, we have a donate button on our website, www.itsamimic.com, as well as a Patreon. If you'd like to discuss what you've heard here today, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and at r slash it's a mimic. For other episodes on other kinds of monsters, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thanks again for listening to It's a Mimic, where you never know what you're going to get. one sentence <laughs> that's why i was like what <laughs> on point the amount of times i have had to re, re, re i was gonna make that comment but i wanted to get through it first the fact that like casey is the worst at it oh my god <laughs> the worst i've had my days
<laughs> but Casey takes the cake for the amount of times it takes to finish an outro. I will say. <laughs> yep. Doesn't fail. I mean, I am a strong, independent woman, but sometimes I just want a man to do things for me so that I don't have to do them. Exactly. I appreciate that. How hard is that to ask for? You know, and then for them to understand that I don't need them to do it. It's it more would sense. be nice. It's nice. It's a nice gesture, you know, <laughs> to set up my air conditioner. Super helpful. I'm going to attempt for us not to have a fourth DM with Loki, but she is in a mood. <laughs> uh, Momo's in the room with me, but he is fucking conked the fuck out and has been all day. Like I've been taking pictures of him because he's now gotten to this habit where he will legitimately sleep on my pillow when I'm not in bed. And then at nighttime last night, it was the cutest thing. Internet, I got to tell you, I was sleeping and then he lied down beside me and put his head on the pillow, like next to mine. Oh my God. And I was like, what is even happening right now? (laughs) That is like adorable. I know. And I couldn't get a photo of it because like, you can't disturb it. Like you just, if you move, Mm. he's out of there. He's like, well, you've noticed that I'm being cute. So I'm going to leave now. So (laughs) (laughs) We're going to take a hot Momo break. Because she's being all up in my business right now. (laughs) Yeah, we're going to kick you out in T minus five seconds if you're this disruptive. So figure it out. (laughs) You're being a bit spicy, so I'll say to generalize you. (laughs)